Welcome to the Retail Insider video series. I'm your host, Craig Patterson, and we're joined here today with a special guest, Sarah Power. She's the founder and creative director of Inland. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thanks so much for having me. This is wonderful. Now, Inland is a marketplace, I think, basically for Canadian designers. Uh, there's going to be uh, the next uh, pop-up for Inland coming up in the former Club Monaco building at 157 Bloor Street West in Toronto. That's going to be on May. What are the dates again, uh, Sarah? Yep, May 5th, 6th, and 7th. So that's this coming next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Wonderful, wonderful. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what's going to be happening there at Inland uh, at the Club Monaco building? Yes, absolutely. Super excited. This will be, I think it's the 14th pop-up that Inland has hosted. It's our ninth year. Um, and this particular venue is, I would say, the most luxurious of all the venues that we've ever occupied. There will be 75 designers in total taking over the first and second levels, the lower level um, of the space. And that'll include a mix of designers, mostly from Toronto and Montreal. Uh, we have one coming in from the West Coast. And we've also collaborated with Toronto Metropolitan University, their fashion department there. Um, so 12 students from the university will be exhibiting their products for sale as well. So we have a wonderful collaboration happening, but it's an opportunity for customers to meet the designers in person. So they each run their own little mini boutique, as you will, within the space, and they're selling their, their products directly to consumers. And there's a range of uh, designers, right? You've got some smaller ones, obviously, including some students, but then you've got, I think, Christopher Bates and a few others that are quite a bit bigger. Big brands. Hey, we've got Christopher Bates. We have Leslie Hampton. We have Narcissus. We have Bustle Clothing, who's been around forever. We have some really incredible brands. And I do think that this um, luxury location has really brought out a new layer of um, retail brands that are interested in connecting with their consumers in this pop-up environment. I think it's really exciting. And then, of course, we have you know a series of brands who are doing upcycling. We have a lot of sustainably focused brands. We have small batch, limited edition, made to order collections and covering a variety of products anywhere from swimsuits um, to spring outerwear, separates, dresses, hats. We've got it all. It's really amazing. And um, I would say about 75% of the products on site are actually manufactured in Canada, which is really wow, exciting. And 100% of the, yeah, it's really exciting. Um, and about, and obviously 100% of the brands are Canadian based. Some retailers or, or brand scouts, I, I met a few, they were there looking to, to sort of scope out who the next big designer might be that they would have in their store. Yes, absolutely. In lieu of what we don't have in Canada, which is a formal retail trade show or fashion trade show, pop-ups are a really great way, especially Inland, because there's so many designers on site at one time. Um, Inland is a great sourcing ground for retailers, buyers, media stylists, they all come out and they really see the new collections, meeting new designers. There's always new designers. I try and keep a mix of about 60, 40 new designers every show. So that's really incredible. Um, and I have to say, you know, when I started Inland, I thought the Canadian market's still emerging. It's pretty small. Am I going to be able to bring in new designers every show? And yes, absolutely, Craig, every show, there is this new flurry of designers that I've never known about that come in. It's really exciting. Um, but yeah, all that to say that it's a great sourcing ground for a lot of people. And of course, consumers, this is really, um, it's an education opportunity for consumers because they're wanting to shop Canadian. They want to support local, but they don't necessarily know where to go to get it because large retailers are just starting to get around to including Canadian in their product mix. So Inland's really been an advocate of um, educating and also providing that direct connection between the brands and customers. So there's a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of things happening. 
And I remember I wrote an article years ago in Retail Insider. It was about uh, how places like, say, Paris and uh, London and New York City, there's there's government funding around uh, fashion there. We don't have the same thing in Canada. So getting, getting a leg up for these brands, I think, is going to be pretty important. You're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, there is definitely fashion funding out there. It is really specific to certain types of activations. A lot of it is export related. But I think we've learned from the pandemic that we, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a really um, large export grant. But we've learned that, you know, bringing manufacturing back to Canada and, and establishing the brand Canada identity around design and not just fashion, but across all of our creative sectors is really, really critical for us to A, gain cons confidence in what we're doing here and B, um, have that unified, that unified voice in terms of what's happening within the creative sectors across Canada, fashion obviously being my core interest. There could definitely be more funding, but, um, you know, there, there is opportunities out there. I think just where it's directed might need to be a little bit um, different. It makes sense. It makes sense. And we're seeing a movement towards, I think, slow fashion as well. Not necessarily with all the population. There's still going to be some of those that are, you know, looking just for the bargains that are out there. Again, some people are struggling financially. But I think we have seen a yeah. bit of a conscious movement around certain segments of the population. Do you have any insight into sort of the slow fashion movement we've seen to counter the fast fashion movement that we saw for at least a couple <laughs> of decades here? Yes, absolutely. Well, again, because we have access and consumers have access to so much information, um, the knowledge around retail has just really exploded in the last couple of decades. So, you know, people are starting to ask deeper questions and there's a lot of global movements around awareness um, in educating customers, you know, did you know that because you bought that $5 t-shirt, it probably means that someone was really underpaid um, in a foreign place. So all of these questions are really emerging and consumers want to place value in the purchases. They want to be conscious about where they're putting their dollars, their hard-earned dollars. So um, it's great that people are starting to ask these questions and it's great that answers are being able to be answered. Um, so it's really a, a great time for retail, I think, because we're all in a rethink pattern about what are we doing? We're, we're rethinking so many elements of our life and business and structures like that. Um, and it's really fantastic to see that happening in retail because the brands that I work with are typically small batch emerging designers. So they might do limited collections. Um, they're not mass producing by any means. And, you know, they're doing this with a lot of heart. So it's really important. And that, that human connection is really strong when you're speaking to brands and, and interacting with brands on that level. I think we, we all want to have more meaning in our life. Yeah, and that makes sense yeah. in terms of uh, something that might be handmade, something that's made in Canada, uh, even something that's, say, personalized or unique or a one-of-a-kind handmade piece where you're like, well, no one's going to have the exact same thing because of this resin or whatever that makes it unique. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, be it budget-driven decisions or be it the sort of, you know, looking for more meaning and value in your products, um, the ability to have that within, you know, that connection is really important. So there's different reasons why consumers are reaching out in different ways. Um, you know, and small batch brands are able to keep things a little bit nimble from the cost sides in, in terms of their production because they're not overproducing and putting a bunch of money in things that end up in landfills. So it, it's really all quite sophisticated in terms of a move forward plan for retail. Now, Inland uh, is a, is a pop-up event. Uh, let's talk about pop-up retail generally. Um, what are you seeing in terms of trends around, say, brands that are doing pop-ups or other marketplaces around the world? Uh, uh, let's talk a bit about, th about that and the experiential effect that we're seeing around uh, uh, temporary retail spaces uh, and activations. 
Absolutely. Great question. Um, I mean, pop-ups have been happening for decades now, but I think, you know, with the sort of stumbling effect that the pandemic introduced into the retail environment, um, you know, the new generation of consumers are interacting with brands more and more online than they ever have been rather in, than in person. So in order to maintain that really unique identity as a brand, these experiential activations and pop-ups allow that opportunity to sort of reconnect with customers, reestablish that moment, that excitement, um, that you, you aren't able to really capture in the online experience. I mean, online has become really sophisticated, but um, pop-ups you know, provide a really nimble way to iterate, to test out new ideas and products, to really be able to offer that sort of curated experience for the consumer, which is really powerful. Um, you know, having pop-ups is a way that you, you know, you're not weighed down by the high costs or long scheduling lead times of sort of traditional retail. So that gives brands a really interesting way to develop new concepts for what they're doing. And again, back to that experiential component, um, you know, people want things that are really fun and, and exhilarating to go to, and they want to have a, a splash experience and they want that in their retail moments as well. So it's really a great time. I mean, I mean, you're seeing everywhere from luxury pop-ups, like, you know, the Gucci 100, when they celebrated their 100th anniversary, did pop-ups all across North America and Canada. So you're seeing anywhere from, you know, handmade local pop-up markets happening, um, sort of the mid-level where Inland sits, which is um, a great place to be, uh, and then also luxury. So it, it's happening across the entire retail sector. And it's not category specific at all, you know, clothing, um, you know, shoes, even you know, um, and cosmetics, like all different types of brands are doing this. And we've seen, I mean, during the pandemic, uh, everything became basically digital. I mean, we were in some cases confined to our homes during certain lockdowns, but what we're seeing now, anything from, you know, restaurants to uh, events. I mean, I, I've been to all kinds of things where I've been in huge crowds. I'm, I'm glad I haven't gotten COVID recently, but nevertheless, it seems like people have gotten back into physical spaces. So we're not, I think this speaks to human behavior. We're not people that want to be cooped up all the time and just being on our phones or shopping on our computers. We actually want to get out and do stuff and see people and things. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And be together and reconnect and have some fun and do that all with, um, you know, a purpose driven mission, which, you know, these designers that again, you know, manufacturing locally or producing small batch or having really interesting stories behind their collection and their process and design is, is really valuable. It's a high value experience, you know, and not to mention those in-person experiences really fuel social media, which again, spreads the word in a grander way and people get to talk about the fun things they've been doing. Um, so it really has a lot of key elements in terms of um, great retail moments, for sure. Pop-ups are definitely something that are going to continue to happen. And that's not to say that traditional retail is ever going to go away. Um, but we, you know, we have to be aware that, you know, retailers are closing their big retailers across the country and across the world are closing down their flagship operations. Um, and, you know, these pop-up activations are a way to fill that gap. And in some cases, these yeah. big retailers are even hosting pop-ups within their spaces. You know, you go to Selfridges or I guess even Holt Renfrew, uh, which is going to be having, I think, uh, I forget where the next one is going to be, but uh, Obakai out of Vancouver is going to be doing something there, um, a bit of an eco right. brand. But we are for sure seeing uh, a situation where even, even some of these bigger players uh, like Hudson's Bay are, are hosting temporary activations within their larger permanent spaces. Yes, and it's really exciting. It, it really has, you know, a really flavorful element to experience experimenting with new products and and offering newness and and great moments for customers to come out and have some fun so 
I, I think it's a really brilliant way. And, you know, you're uh, like even, for instance, Morgard real, real Estate has 17 locations across Canada that are devoted specifically to pop-up, right? They've got their pop-up project and they manage the location at the whole Renfrew Centre. So there's even more formalized pop-up situations happening within the retail sector, which is really interesting. That's right. That's right. We're going to be doing a story on specialty leasing with Retail Insider as well. And I think we're actually doing it with Morgard because Morgard uh, has definitely been pushing that across properties. I live near the Holt Renfrew Centre and a friend of mine out in Coquitlam, BC, in one of the Morgard properties, she had a pop up. I think it was during the pandemic. People still came. But uh, um, nevertheless, yeah, no, that's that's tremendous in terms of landlords that are now embracing this as well. I know Oxford Properties and Cadillac mm -hmm. Fairview have certainly done this as well. Sheehan had a uh, which is very fast fashion, I think, or at least her stuff. Sheehan had a, uh, yes. out of China, had a uh, pop-up at the Eaton, CF Toronto Eaton Center. I have to say it properly. Uh, so we've seen this at all price points from, like you said, luxury with Gucci. And I've been to the Louis Vuitton pop-ups they've had and uh, uh, also been to Sheehan. Yeah. Well, you have to check them all out, I suppose, and see what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really exciting. You know, and I spoke to a rep at Morgard and, you know, some of the pop-up retailers that go in, they feel that they've connected with the right consumer in the right place. It allows that testing out and they've stayed on for longer term leases. So that's really interesting too. So it allows that flexibility on both the, the leasing agent and, and the brand side. So um, it, it's a great meeting of minds and, and concept. I think it's really wonderful. You know, when a lot of people ask me, because the inland pop-up pop happening next weekend is at the former Club Monaco flagship location, which has been, I think, unoccupied for several years now. I couldn't honestly tell you how long, but people, how did you get that location? And honestly, there are so many locations on that Mink Mile, that stretch of, you know, the most luxurious retail in Canada um, that are up for lease. And it was just really a matter of making a call and they're really open. They're really like landowners are really open to having, they want to see things happen in their spaces. So they're really open to unique partnerships. The pop-up that Inland did just November and December of last year was at Bayview Village. And that was also really interesting. They're again, looking to have unique activations happening in their centers so that consumers are still engaged. And also um, to make sure that the retailers that are there a long time are also seeing interesting things happen. So it's it's really a great it's really a great move forward plan like i said and i've had some brands tell me as well that is when they do have a, have a physical activation and they're able to interact with their consumers they're getting different feedback say than they would get online people might be a bit more honest in person or or have a have a bit of a different situation with communication do you have any insight into that Yes, I mean, that was really sort of that's the ethos of inland is being able to offer um, designers and brands that opportunity to connect with the customer to get better intel. There's nothing stronger than that sort of face to face moment when someone can say, Oh, it doesn't quite fit right, or Oh, I wish you had this, or Yeah, you're right, you're absolutely right. People, those communication points aren't happening online in the same way. Um, so it's, it's really valuable. And I think the customer wants to feel heard and they definitely feel heard in those moments when they're speaking directly to the designer. And that's really valuable. I've heard from brands that they've had these pop-up experiences and they say, oh, I learned that this and this, and they take that back. They iterate their products perhaps, or in reintroduce sort of a, a new concept in their next season's collection and, and the way they go. So it's really valuable Intel. Terrific. Now, is there anything you can tell us about the future of Inland? Say any plans for 2024, anything into 2025 yet that's been talked about or anything that you can share? I wish I could tell you, you know, uh, like the pop-up 
philosophy, it's always iterative. There's always sort of, okay, how did this go? So once we go into this region, you know, is this a neighborhood that customers are more responsive? So it could be that after this particular pop-up experience, we take what we've learned. Um, and of course, I'm in constant communication with all the brands. I get their feedback. How was it for you? How was the customer? Is this the right neighborhood for us? Do we continue popping up here? So I, again, I wish I could tell you what's happening, but you'll have to wait and see. It depends on what we learn. Yeah, we like to say nimble and iterative, um, always wanting to test out new and exciting markets and locations and want to continue to do that. Yeah. Excellent. I'm looking forward to checking out this year's Inland at 157 Bloor Street West in Toronto. That's the former Club Monaco building. Uh, I'll be there on Friday checking it out because uh, uh, I really enjoyed the one the design exchange last year. I, I met some really interesting people. Um, again, they're not all smaller players, but you get some of the most fascinating people I think you can meet at these types of things. Uh, so, so I'm excited to be there. Perfect. We really look forward to having you. That's going to be fun. Great. Thank you so much. This is Sarah Power, the founder and creative director of Inland. Thank you so much for joining us here today on this program. Thanks for having me. Really, really, really great conversation. And I'm Craig Patterson. I'm the founder, CEO, and publisher of Retail Insider Media. I'm also the host here of the Retail Insider video interview series. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here today. Be sure to subscribe, whether or not you're doing this on YouTube or on our, one of our podcast channels, if you're not already a subscriber, that is. Thank you so much, everyone, for being here today. Take care and bye for now.